When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Animation Addicts podcast, episode 265, ranking the Disney Renaissance era. with the rotoscopers the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you each episode we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring disney dreamworks pixar and everything in between from hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation so hop on your nerdy couch grab some snacks and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode Hey there, animation addicts. I am your host, Chelsea Robson. And I'm Morgan Stradling. This is the era, the era of the best Disney films. And we're going to be talking about them today. So I'm really glad that we finally made it to this point. This is it. This is it. The top, the pinnacle, the Renaissance age. really caused the renaissance well there were lots of things i think michael eisner had a big hand in it i think howard Mm -hmm. ashman was critical to Mm -hmm. this i think just the leaving of the old guard in the bronze age whether that be the retiring of the nine old men which causes a new wave of animators to come in um, and then also the leaving of don bluth which causes some friction you kind of have to do some competition. self-reflection, competition. It forces you to step up, right? Mm-hmm. And we've been leading up to this. The movies leading up to this weren't necessarily the worst of the worst. You know, The Great Mouse Detective, Oliver and Company, you know, they're not the worst movies and they're not the greatest, but they're pretty good. And so mm-hmm. they're getting us those baby steps to where we want to be. And the Renaissance age really just takes it and takes it a level up. And I think the critical thing here which I mentioned before was the introduction of really turning this into a Broadway style musical where Howard Ashman and Alan Menken were very, very critical and key Mm -hmm. early on. Yeah. 
I and as I think about that, I, I you they really found a niche that hadn't been co-opted by something else. It hadn't been developed really. And as Howard Ashman talked about in or I've seen interviews of him talk about, uh, he was very much felt like animation was the place that he could blend these two mediums together seamlessly. And I really do think that both of these, the the Broadway musical plus animation were really made for each other. And this is really what shows it. It, Mm -hmm. it, it started such a wave of, of new as well, because it really hadn't been done. And it was just a new life, a new medium in itself. Like you, you look at a lot of the animation that was happening prior to this, especially during the seventies and into the eighties, you had a lot of like, and I hate to like use this as a negative, but like, take a look at something like Charlotte's web. You have a couple songs here. It's a great story. I love it. It's a great little film. And the animation itself is is very nice, you know, but it wasn't until it's seamlessly moving, fantastic story building and arcs and climaxes, as well as a lot of the elements of the musical that really propel the story forward. And I think that that was a huge key in creating something that was completely memorable. Absolutely agree. You know, and Disney had a history of music in their animated Mm -hmm. films and in their live action films. It was very much something that was part of the era that those movies in the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, it was part of the DNA of movies at that time, but it was different. You know, Uh, we think of the musical era, which we've talked about or the wartime era. Those, those songs were there, but they were a little different. There's classic Disney songs in the early Disney films for sure. But what we come to know as the Disney musical if you're really to hang your hat on it, you would probably pick the Renaissance age to really encompass that. So let's jump into it. So there's nine films in this era. And the difference between this era is that it's significantly shorter than some of the other ones, just because mm-hmm. the rate at which Disney was able to put out these movies. Some of the other ones are maybe 15 years long. Some are short, but that's because they just weren't releasing movies as frequently. So maybe it's the same amount of movies, but it's just released over a longer period. Here they, they had more really, money with these. <laughs> yeah, they really had the machine, the production machine going, where mm-hmm. they had multiple productions going at times. They opened up a Florida studio to help. So that was for a period of time. So this was an amazing 10 years. I know. We see it basically a movie is released every single year except 1993. And so let's talk about them because they're just gonna make your heart sore when you hear all of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> the first one, The Little Mermaid in 1989. Everybody's favorite redhead. Mm-hmm. This is the start of something grand. Mm-hmm. I feel like throughout this entire episode, it's just going to be, as you just said, making your heart sore, like all these memories of this time. And there is an element to say that, you know, you and I were very much present in this era. Mm-hmm. Like this was our era, foundational era. Yeah. <laughs> like we were growing up. This is eight, 1989. I barely remember when. Uh, I don't really remember when this one came out. I, I definitely remember Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. but I don't really remember. But I just remember it being a part of my world, <laughs> a yeah. part of my life. <laughs> yes. Never to leave. Yeah. There's so many elements of this. You, you've got Glenn Keane's hand on the main character. This is, you know, I, I love also going back and like seeing all of the 
people, the animators who were involved in these and key influences in these. And, you know, you have Glenn Keane, who is basically the head honcho of all of the main people, uh, main characters. Yeah, all the ingenues and uh-huh. leading ladies or leading men. Uh-huh. Glenn usually was it. Andreas Deja was the villain Andreas guy. Deja. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just have like so many of these people that were so I, I just felt like everybody like clicked. Yeah, I was I obviously wasn't there. Uh, so I can't say that there were no fights or anything amongst them. I have read books that indicate that there were some, you know, company frictions here and there. But it was for the most part, everybody that was there loved being there and it was an exciting time and you can tell by just how everything kind of clicked together Mm -hmm. another thing that started is they continue their history and legacy of having fairy tale classic Mm -hmm. fairy tales adapting those which is you know they've stood the test of time already as a right core foundational story and also the introduction you know with these fairy tales come the princesses or the princes, yes. you know, so they have these two uh, elements, the uh, princess fairy tales, royalty and musical. And that really <laughs> is the trifecta that makes these movies work for the most part. Yes. So let's the next one we will talk about, which kind of breaks all of those is the rescuers down under 1990. This is the first official canon sequel that they had done. Obviously, it's a sequel to the 70s film, The Rescuers. It's not necessarily a fairy tale that you would you or you and I would know Mm -hmm. Um, based on a book for sure, but not a classic European fairy tale. Right. Uh, No princesses, no royalty and no songs. So we'll see how that fared. You know, it's totally different than The Little Mermaid. Yes. However, I do think that the um, implementation of caps really added to the fact that they were able to get so many movies in to this Mm -hmm, decade mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because up until this point, it just took so much more time. So I think that even though the story itself isn't one that we really go back to as being like, Oh, I love that movie. Even though I do, I actually really enjoyed this movie. Different elements of it are going to be ingrained in my mind that doesn't come up as being the best, but it is one of those movies that I, I respect it for what it did. And I think it really, the caps thrown into this, they really were able to, to get that machine cranking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one, when you're looking at all these movies on this list, there's not necessarily one that's a stinker. No, you know, on your personal ranking, you may rank ones higher or lower and that's fine, but there's not one that's just like, that is a bad movie. Just goes to show that's why when we think of this, we think of this, this era so highly. Yeah. And Rescuers Down Under, I think, can be forgotten. I think people, when they're listing off the films of the Renaissance, they kind of forget that that's in there. I know I would from time to time. So going to the next one, Beauty and the Beast, 1991. I would say probably the pinnacle of Disney animation. It really builds on what The Little Mermaid set up. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say do it better, but just they just did it. And it worked really, 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 really well. Yeah. I mean, Howard Ashman really only worked on the two films. He had elements of Aladdin uh, that he was involved in, but he didn't really jump into that one because Mm -hmm. he had passed on by then. But this was his magnum opus and Mm -hmm. it was everything that he wanted it to be. And it I mean, that's why it, it was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. And, you know, 
I'm still mad about that. It should have won. How iconic. I agree. Ugh. Was it Silence of the Lambs or something? I think it was Silence one? of the Lambs that beat it out, which that's oh, an iconic on. film. Sure, I get, but <laughs> sure. Beauty and the Beast is just everything. It is everything. Everything. And I, did everything right. And I think if you were to take our generation and ask them which one has more effect on their life, <laughs> yeah, yes. it stands the test of time, you're definitely going to look at Beauty and the Beast as being that because it uh, Silence of the Lambs is like, okay, I get how it was important it, for that generation it was different but for our generation this was fundamental yeah i do think silence of the lambs was a bit above our level <laughs> <laughs> right I, I hope no five-year-olds were watching that movie all <laughs> right <laughs> the beauty oh. and the beast it has the the beautiful protagonist bell we see her conflict we it we set up the villain mm-hmm. and he's a villain that you love to hate. I mean, you yeah. can see why people like him. You see his struggles and what he's going through and ultimately where that leads him. Um, mm-hmm. He's very, very well developed. Yeah. Compared to he's just like a flat villain character. I mean, he's the bad guy. Right. But yeah, in more subtle ways. But Oh, you love to hate him. Like you just mm-hmm. love him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his, he has his own theme song and it, Perfectly encapsulates why you love him. <laughs> it is, yes. Every last inch of me covered in hair. <laughs> and I think that that was one really great thing they did about that villain is that you made him, uh, you made him a person that can go under the radar as far as being evil, and then in the end, you see just how what leads him. Yeah, the actions and the steps that lead him to ultimately becoming the villain i mean he right. dies at the end yeah did he yeah. deserve to die <laughs> i mean were you in love with her beast <laughs> did you think you'd have a chance when she could be with someone like me like <laughs> i mean did he deserve to die i don't know however when he dies we're not sad <laughs> we're not sad at all we're not missing because- him because of everything that he's done at that point yeah, and he also like, is... Wow, you really let this obsession with Belle take over. I don't think it was just the obsession with Belle. I think it was also the fact that you were the type to gather an angry mob to go and attack someone that really mm-hmm. had no... Uh, really had done, done nothing to you. Yeah, And absolutely. just out of the fear of being different, incited them based on fear tactics just for the pettiness of being number one. And you knew that he didn't love her. You know, there was mm-hmm. no connection. And so it was uh, completely self-aggrandizement and then also using fear tactics. And so you realize, yeah, you know what? We don't care if you die. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so next one, Aladdin, 1992. Like you'd mentioned, Howard Ashman was partially involved in some of these songs, but not all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when they brought in Tim Rice to finish some of them. But... A Whole New World was Howard Ashman, and he was involved with that. Obviously, A Friend Like Me and Prince Ali have his stamp all over it. Yes. <laughs> all the alliterations and the fluttering of words, it's like mile a minute lyrics, they're great. Uh-huh. And if you don't know at this point, can you really say you're a listener of the Animation Addicts podcast? <laughs> Aladdin is my favorite film of all time. I could watch it again and again and again. I just have such a connection to this film. It never gets old. Now, while I do recognize Beauty and the Beast is a better film, I and I rank Beauty and the Beast higher than Aladdin, 
Oh, Aladdin really? is still my favorite. Okay. All right. Yeah. Don't let my personal uh, <laughs> bias get in the way of that. <laughs> oh, I, I always let my personal biases get in the way of these things. <laughs> Proud of it, babe. <laughs> I mean, swimming. this is the first real, I guess you would call it Disney sidekick. I mean, not they've been around. Yeah. There's been Flounder. Right, but this, right, right, right. This Disney sidekick really, really was integral to the plot. Yeah. Was almost a main character in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, well, b- meaning the genie. Yeah. The, you're, yes. You're, yes. <laughs> not a, let not you a on there. <laughs> I was talking about a boo. <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, did he have, I mean, he, I guess he grabbed the, he grabbed the thing at the end, turned into, I don't know, was he <laughs> integral to the plot? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have to go in and give reference that this was also the moment where merchandising merchandising started coming in and they were like no 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 we need to make more money here (laughs) and this was very smart of them because it turned disney into a i mean i don't i know that the parks and everything were completely like popular but i really don't think that they would have made as much money if they hadn't really dug in with all of these movies here Mm -hmm. and like you can look at the parks, you you have Disney Toon Studios, I guess, was coming out of this time. But even I think of like the Disney Afternoon had sprawl. You, know, you had Aladdin getting his own sequel, like his own spinoff. He was the first direct to DVD, like or direct to v- VHS, you know. So it was just such a huge momentum building era of the company as a whole. It's just amazing to look at that era. Mm-hmm. Even, you know that couple years where it was just like no we're hitting this hard <laughs> and i was like good, yep good they knew it they knew how to do it next up is the lion king 1994 this was considered the b film of the time you know there was pocahontas in production and lion king mm-hmm. in production and obviously pocahontas was going to be the big star and not you know this other you know lion king movie which did not right. turn out to be the case the lion king was just phenomenal uh, it was well-received, incredible music, yeah. totally different from the other ones. Just, you know, the, the African setting with the, with the animals as care as the main characters just really mm-hmm. set it apart and made it different. It didn't make it feel like, okay, here's the Disney formula again, you know, another princess, another yeah. suitor for the princess. Right. No, this was totally different and so well done. Not necessarily based on a fairy tale, loosely based on Hamlet, right? But mm-hmm. it does have the royalty aspect, which in, always has intrigue, especially when it comes to line of succession and who's going right. to take on the throne. It's a coming politics of age story. That, you know? Yeah. Internal politics and, is, it always adds intrigue. Like, mm-hmm, ooh, mm-hmm. how are they going to do it? Musical. Tim Rice. Musical, yes. Tim Rice and Elton John. For this I, one. <laughs> I, I will always think of the... The um, Can You Feel the Love Tonight music video of Elton John and him like (laughs) (laughs) playing his piano and then all these random things coming out. And oh, gosh, it's pretty iconic. You have to go look (laughs) and see it. Please go back and just search that. (laughs) We'll do. We'll do. It just it seems like the the thing is, it seems like something that it would be a like a a YouTuber putting together today. (laughs) Does that make sense? Oh, like great. it would yeah. be like they're they're taking random clips from the movie and then just putting their own little like like something that they would do that today. It just seems like that. So um I unrelated to the movie itself, but going more with the merchandising, 
There was a lot of merchandise for this. Do you remember the plushies, the Nala and Simba, where their noses kissed? They had little magnets on the end. Yeah, so there was that. My friends also had these. They were called Jungle Friends Baby Lion King toys. (gasps) They were like little baby versions of the characters. And they it was just like these plastic toys. And you could buy all the various ones. There was like baby Nala and baby Simba and... um, yeah, I'm looking these up right now and I'm being thrown back to, to a different <laughs> era. Um, but yeah, that's something where it was very, very um, left, left a core memory, if you will. <laughs> yeah. But this, the music, I remember having this cassette tape and listening uh-huh. to it over yes. and over and over again, loving it. It's just amazing. The best. Yeah. And if you should definitely go back and listen to some of our Disney music episodes and the the episode where we talk about how music works and whether or not people get paid, like this movie created just so many different offshoots of of jobs for people, like not just this movie, but like this era. So going mm-hmm. back to like Beauty and the Beast, my favorite toy from that one, and I believe that you had it too, was the mirror, the magic mirror where you'd push oh, yeah. the button and it was like, like. What they lovely now look in the mirror. Yeah, just say, show me the beast. I love you. <laughs> we would like go through all of these. And then you had, so that was like my favorite toy from that one. From Aladdin, my favorite toy. I mean, any dress up thing uh, for Jasmine. I definitely, everybody dressed up as Jasmine for Halloween that year. And basically that <laughs> meant just like putting your hair in like the ponytail the thing. Yeah. <laughs> the bubble pony. The bubble pony. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Lion King. What was my toy from that one? I think I didn't actually, I don't know if I had any real like Lion King specific toy. I just, no, it was just the CD. I listened Mm -hmm. to that CD over so many times. Yeah. And then Pocahontas comes next. Uh, I loved Pocahontas. At this point I was hardcore Disney fan where I was anticipating the new movies coming out was very excited. You know, I even, you know, we, we didn't even talk about, but, um, for Aladdin, you know, when Aladdin came out, it was very common that they would release the trailer for the next film a year in advance. So Aladdin came out and the trailer for the Lion King was just the opening song Mm -hmm. for the Lion, that opening sequence with, with baby Simba with the song. And that just blew everyone out of the water. So they did the right. same thing with Pocahontas for the Lion King. So a year in advance, they're just teasing this. Now we can't even get a trailer three months in advance because there's so many movies. <laughs> if you did that in a right. year, people wouldn't even remember because it's right. just like, what's the point? Why are we letting people know about this? Because there's just too much competition. And Pocahontas right. did Colors of the Wind. And specifically, there were elements that were not yet colorized or finished. And I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. Like, it's like we were getting a yeah. sneak peek of the movie. Right. And test screening, you know, as it, it were. Of course, it was going to be another hit. Mm-hmm. But as we know, that was not the case. And Pocahontas just didn't land very well. Yeah. And I don't know why. What do you think was the thing that kind of. Well, it was based instead of based on a fairy tale, it was based on a real character. And since this right. is Hollywood, they took artistic liberty as they do right. with any story, whether it's true or not. You know, even mm-hmm. these biopic type of films. They take creative license and they change things around and this and that. And I think people, because it was Pocahontas, it was this Native American character mm-hmm. that the changes that were made, just people didn't, some people didn't appreciate as much. 
um, mm-hmm. and didn't take it for what it was, was just our interpretation of the story. Like this was an incredible story. Now we're going to mm-hmm. put our spin on it. You know, obviously right. this isn't, it, it's loosely based on it because she didn't talk to animals. She didn't, you know, jump right, off a obviously. 200 foot waterfall <laughs> and all of these things. And And for me, I think that's, if you're going into a movie trying to expect it to be the exact thing or then you're just setting yourself up for failure and disappointment instead of saying, Hey, okay, it was based on this and this is their version of it. You know, it's a, it's an animated fairy tale cartoon version of it. Take it for what it is, a musical and all of that. So it's, it's over the top. And I personally don't have the problems with Pocahontas that some people do, but I like Pocahontas. I never thought it was bad. Obviously it wasn't my favorite, but I did watch Mm -hmm. it quite a lot. Yeah. I do remember because, I mean, we were, we were not at an age where we cared about anything other than was this a fun story? And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was also a little bit of a, we were on the high of the last several movie, Disney movies being everything. And so it was like, this is probably everything too, right? (laughs) Like, I mean, there was no reason for us to expect it to not work out. (laughs) Right, exactly. And so we had, I had the, the Pocahontas Barbie and the, with the Nico that would braid your hair, but your hair would always get really tangled because of it. But the idea of it seemed so nice because <laughs> mm-hmm. everybody would want a, an animal to come and braid their hair for them. Cause that's great. Yes, of course. It's kind of an interesting thing. Cause they were, they, I don't, I don't know. Were they running out of ideas at this point? Cause I don't want to say that because they're not, because I, Every movie on this list I'm looking at as being like, I have great replay value for all of these classic films in this 10 year period of time. So, but I do know that Pocahontas, maybe they were trying to, trying to gauge it a little older than what they were doing. I don't know, because you go into Hunchback and that's definitely aged slightly higher. Yeah, so Hunchback and Notre Dame came out a year later, 1996. This is based on the Victor Hugo novel, which you're like, really? You you mm-hmm. pick this that yeah, for your movie? You know, right. and this was actually a very popular property to adapt into film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been done many times over the years, especially in early Hollywood cinema. Yeah. They wanted to do something that was darker, and it covers a lot of themes that you wouldn't necessarily see in other films. Or if you did, it was very surface level, like persecution and Uh uh, religious persecution, torture, genocide, lust. (laughs) You know, those weren't necessarily, (laughs) you know, you could vaguely some of those things, maybe like lust that could be Beauty and the Beast with Gaston Mm -hmm. on a very surface level, but not Mm -hmm. really. He never really lusted after her. It was more just like a prize, kind of like all of his. Right, right, right. Hunting. But uh-huh. Hunchback, you know, I appreciate Hunchback for what it did and what it tried to do. Although, you know, at this point, they'd kind of gotten a formula and they couldn't just, OK, we're going to make this a serious dark film. It's going to be different. Th- but then, hey, we got to have those gargoyles for the jokes <laughs> and the laughs. Right. No, you don't. And and I think I've mentioned that multiple times. It really hurts the film when you just have this yeah. gag element that just doesn't match the feeling of the movie throughout it breaks it up and just makes it makes you not take the film as seriously. Were they forgetting their audience? Were they trying to be, I feel like this is one of those where 
like they were trying to be two things at once. We want to be the family friendly Disney, but we also want to make it dark and be different. We, well, I think we also want to impress ourselves, which I even today I go back and I look at Hunchback as being impressive. So I give them that. Uh, but they I feel like it was would if they would have taken out the gargoyles, if they would have done this more like straight, do you think that it could have gone up and done something like a Beauty and the Beast and gone into more of the do you think I guess what I'm trying to ask is, do you think people would have seen animation as a medium versus a genre like what they do now? I still don't think people think it as a medium. I, I, I know. I'm saying, do you think that this could have shifted the the mentality if they would if have they just gone stuck all with in their guns? Um, possibly. Hard to hard to see. In yeah, the future. <laughs> it's the hard to see into future <laughs> into a, a yeah into Other the multiverse dimension. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see how that. I would don't have, have that out. gift. I'm sorry. <laughs> But I think it would have taken idea. a like, series huh. of these films yeah. like this. Yeah. A Miyazaki kind of series. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Next up is Hercules. So at this point, we'd had two quote unquote failures for Disney. And I wouldn't even call it failures, but just right. less successful compared to the early Renaissance. And right. Hercules, it's it's you're going into it. I was going into it just thinking it was going to be great. And Loved Hercules. Yeah. So much. But I know for this is kind of when people are like, okay, you know, this is the new level where you're at. Mm -hmm. And I love Hercules so, so much. It still boggles my mind that Mason has never seen Hercules. Wait, what? How could you not? It's so good. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I understand I, why he didn't watch it when we were watching it, but like he was absent that week because of some family stuff. But like Mason. If you're listening, which you're probably not, <laughs> but if you are, <laughs> anyway, I love Hercules. I think I understand why it doesn't reach the same level as say an Aladdin or a Lion King, mm -hmm. but I go back and I, like Hercules has such great replay value for me that it's hard for me to say it's not anything great. Right. Like I love the music. I love the characters. I mm -hmm. love Hercules himself. Yeah. Megara was a new type of Disney. Yes. Uh, feminine heroine. Uh -huh. It was just different. You know, yeah. it was very stylized, this film, compared to mm -hmm. some of the other ones. It's based on Greek mythology, which who doesn't love that? Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's not perfectly trying to recreate anything. It's just like, here's our inspiration were all, all of these Greek myths. And now we're going to take and choose and, and mix and change things and just have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. This movie's funny. It's, it's funny. It's fun. But the character arcs are beautiful. I love the point where even Phil, he gets his moment of like, Hey, look, it's Phil's boy. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he gets his dream. You know, it's like, there's so many moments that you can look at this and be like, I love a happy ending. Yay. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I was on the Disney cruise and they had this as a, as a mini Broadway play. And that one was great. Like it just, it play. they tried to go back to the pre Pocahontas stuff and mm -hmm. kind of recreate the beauty and the beast kind of Aladdin vibe. Um, 
I, I felt like it worked. When people, and there's our critics out there in critical videos, are like, this is everything that didn't work about Hercules. And I'm like, oh, I know. yeah, I see it. I can see how you would say that and why you would put any kind of like stock in that. But mm-hmm. the overall feeling that I get from this movie is one of just good vibes. So that's what I, I lay across this movie for me. <laughs> and then you go into Mulan, which I think at this point in time, they were really leaning into the whole feminist vibe. <laughs> and so like there were elements of that that I appreciated, but I don't feel like they they overdid it in a way of mm-hmm. like hitting you over the head with something. And we've talked about that. Like if you have if you have a a message or a something that you're wanting to get across You never want to hit somebody over the head with it. Like nobody wants to get hit with a frying pan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mulan is a great character. She's fun. She's different. We get to see a different culture, Mm -hmm. which we've seen a few, um, you know, quite a few actually. Yeah. Through this period. But, you know, going to China is really cool. And we have our first, you know, Chinese Asian princess, Mm -hmm. which is she a princess? Whatever. I'm calling her a princess. Okay. She kind of fits the general definition of the Disney princess, not necessarily. I'm sure the emperor would have adopted her. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So um, Mushu's great. You know, he's kind Mm -hmm. of in the line of the the genie from Aladdin. He's the the mentor, the guide, and he's funny. Yeah. (laughs) But he's helping her along the way. And he also has a little bit of a bone to pick with the ancestors and prove himself. So it's, yeah. it's not that he's just this flat one dimensional character. A little bit and, of Philoctetes kind of. Mm-hmm. A, yeah. The betrayal. Each of, one uh, of them have, have their own arc, which I appreciate. Yeah. The betrayal when they find out she's a woman, you know, mm-hmm. that's a real low point. You know, it really follows the hero's journey very, very well. Yeah. And then she herself takes it in her own hands to, you know, change the story mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody else coming in and, and like making everything better or something. Yeah. Yeah. What's not to love? It's so good. And then the music, everybody loves, like men specifically love Mulan. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Which is so funny to me. Well, it just goes against the, the belief, you know, when they had, when Tangled was coming out, like, oh, we can't call this Rapunzel because boys won't go see a movie about Rapunzel. Um, I was around, Single adults, young single adults, when <laughs> Rapunzel came out. Let uh-huh. me tell you, there were lots of guys going to see that movie. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> false fact check, untrue <laughs> fact check, false. Uh, but the yeah, Mulan, it, I we've talked about this how the like guys just really love this movie, and I it's kind of ironic in a way because they were you could say that as I have said that they were trying to push this kind of feminist like moment. Um, but it, it was, like I said, it wasn't in a way that, that made anybody feel less than, or tried to take men down in order to push women up. And that's, that's something that is also really important. You can't take somebody else's power away. Like you have to just give power all to everyone. And I think that that's a huge part of that, but like, it's just fun. I, I love make a man out of you. I love... The fact that Donny Osmond was <laughs> just so funny. <laughs> why Why did you choose Donny? I don't understand. So great. Nowadays, <laughs> they wouldn't do that. Meaning they wouldn't have a separate voice actor and singing voice. 
Uh-huh. That was just what they did. It's like, hey, we want this to be the absolute best performance possible. So we're going to get a Broadway guy or girl to yeah. sing it. You know, um, you know, very commonly that happened with Aladdin and Leah Salonga. Uh, Leah right. Salonga was Mulan's singing voice. They just, that's just what they did. It wasn't a requirement that you had to sing. And I think that's something that we've seen change significantly in the revival era, which we will be talking about in a few episodes, mm-hmm. is now the characters are not only hired because of your acting ability, but you need to sing. So, you know, any up and coming and your starlets, Yeah. If you want to be a Disney princess, you better learn how to sing because those days are long gone where mm-hmm. Leah Salinga, Leah Salinga, where <laughs> Leah Salonga is going to come in and save the day for you. Plus you get all those royalties. <laughs> Yeah, Leah's over here just like, dad gum. <laughs> I loved saving the day. <laughs> we loved uh, her saving the day. And we love her. Yes. I don't feel like there should ever be any like problem with being associated with somebody like Aaliyah Salonga. Like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me either way. I don't see one better than the other, mm-hmm. other, other, although sometimes I do think that the care that the, the actresses or actors that they get aren't necessarily the strongest singers right. as they, you know, which is fine. That's what they want to do. But okay. Last one. We have been talking everyone's ear off about this. It, it's our last one. 1999 Tarzan. Very interesting film based on a book uh-huh. and has the musical elements, but this time the characters aren't singing it. It's sung kind of by our musical narrator, narrator. if you will. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's good old Phil Collins, the writer, yeah. singer, songwriter for this good film. <laughs> and you know what? It's great because it allows this movie to be something different. It's not like, okay, Tarzan's going to stand on his tree and look out into the, the jungle and sing his heart out. Right. You know, it allows the movie to flow in a different way. And it wouldn't make sense for Tarzan to sing certain things so he doesn't even know english so (laughs) (laughs) that would be a struggle yeah it's a struggle bus (sighs) i liked tarzan for what it was it's the lowest on my list but i feel like there was a lot of there's a lot of fun things fun fun elements about it it was just kind of i don't know why i don't have nearly as many like positive like yes tarzan so great well at this point you were teenager so That's maybe true. it didn't have as much constant replay at this true. point in your life as maybe it would have if it had been released five years prior. So for like people who are five years younger, I don't know. Do they have this affinity for Tarzan as much? I don't know. We should <laughs> ask. <laughs> the things that I like about Tarzan, I love the promo actually for this. Hi, I'm this girl from the Disney Channel, and I'm going to show you some of these great skateboarders. <laughs> we're going to talk about our new. <laughs> we're going to be at a skateboarding place, and we're going to talk about the newest film coming out by Disney, and it's going to be about Tarzan. And here's Glenn Keane because Glenn Keane's amazing, and he is. And <laughs> Annie, <laughs> it's just I, I, I think I remember that commercial better than I remember the actual movie. <laughs> nice. That's hilarious. You also had Chris Buck, who was in on this. And so it's like my frozen tie goes back to that. I'm like, oh, it's Chris. Yay. (laughs) I don't know. I have these little like connections that add, I guess, uh, affinity to it, too, though. So. Mm -hmm. So let's rank it, shall we? I know it's hard to choose your favorite amongst all your babies. It is. But you got to. So I'm going to start with mine. All right. Number 10, The Rescuers from Down Under. Number nine, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Number eight, Tarzan. Number seven, Pocahontas. Number six, Mulan. Number five, right in the middle, Hercules. Number four, The Lion King. Number three, Aladdin. 
surprisingly. Number mm-hmm. two, The Little Mermaid. And number one, Beauty and the Beast. Chelsea, where are you at? All right. So my last on my list is going to be Tarzan. Uh, number nine, Pocahontas. Number eight, Rescuers Down Under. Uh, then right here, we're going to go into Hunchback. And then number six, Mulan. Also, number five for me is Hercules. Number four for me is Aladdin. And number three, Lion King, two, Little Mermaid, and one, Beauty and the Beast. So we are the same on our one, two, our one and two. Yep. You, we've flip-flopped. Three and four, Lion King and Aladdin. Five is the same. We're in agreement of that. Mm-hmm. Um, also Mulan, too. So five and six are the same. So it comes down to our, our last, where we're like, eh, a little bit off. <laughs> so our bottom, uh, I said seven was Hunchback. And so you actually liked like Tarzan way more than I did. Mm-hmm. I, enjoy, um, I enjoy Tarzan, yes. Yeah. And then also Pocahontas is much, uh, higher, much, for me. much higher for you. And oh, mine, I, I think the reason why I have Hunchback higher is because of the soundtrack it just had such a huge effect on me as I've gone back and rewatched it and seen it and listened to it. Yeah. So Rescuers Down Under, I think I raised that higher for me just because it's like, I don't know. It just seems yeah, like Rescuers fun. Down Under does. Is it called Rescuers From Down Under? Is that really the title? I don't think so. I think it's just Rescuers Down Under. That's what rescuers I always refer to it. Okay, okay. So whatever list we pulled this from, we've been referring to it as <laughs> Rescuers From Down Under. And the whole time I was like... That's that's not where they're weird. From. <laughs> that's weird. It's not. Yeah, exactly. They're not from down under. They're going down under. Okay, so it's just rescuers down under. Which okay, now that's that resonates better with me. I, I, I was having this dissonance in my mind where I was like, something's off. Okay, rescuers down under does not resonate with me at all. It's yeah, just because I never owned it, and I think that was a big part of this. As I owned all of these movies except for this one. This was the one we never had. So I just never watched okay. a lot. And so the few times that I have watched it, it's like, oh, it's good. But that's about it. You know, the opening sequence is probably and then Marahute. Yeah. <laughs> really all that I would stand out in my mind. Yeah, I think that's probably why is the fact that we owned it. And so mm-hmm. I I had the ability to rewatch things as at whim. And that was had more watchability for me. All right. Well, cool. Good list. There you have it. Uh Renaissance, I will miss you. I want to go watch all of your movies now. So if you want to see our full list, you can go to rotoscopers.com slash 265. And you can check that out, make comments on there and see what, you know, maybe you can write down your list, how you rank them. And yeah, you can also go back and listen to some of our Renaissance music episodes where we rank some of the, the music's the musics the musics (laughs) where we go back and rank a lot of the songs from the different eras uh throughout our entire music uh the love songs and all of these things are great we should we probably could have done an entire episode on just like what is our ranking on soundtracks Mm -hmm. blind king would be the top for me of this era oh don't make me choose As far as, like, listening to a soundtrack, yeah, Lion King was definitely the one that I did on repeat. But tell us what you guys thought. Until next time, we we are are the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers.